actually find it's fairly easy for us to turn it on when we get to a show, mainly because we just haven't seen each other in a long time, and it's like, hey, what's going on? Let's have some beers. And like, woohoo, party. And then at the end of it, it takes, like we were talking about how hard we all slept that first night after the last tour ended. Yeah, I don't want to sound like, like grumpy old men, but you get older, it's it's physically harder to go on tour than when you're 20 oh, years old. I don't think I'm sounding grumpy. I'm just old. You guys aren't like hanging out all the time when it's... Uh... Actually, we do hang out quite yeah. a bit. Okay. Yeah. So you do see each other. You just don't... Oh, you mean at home, like us at home? We, yeah. we all live in different places. Okay. Is anyone left in Kansas City at this point? I live in a town called Prairie Village, which is just like a suburb right outside the city. Matt and Ryan live in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where University of Kansas is. And it's about 45 minutes outside of Kansas City. James is in Buffalo, New York. And Rob lives in Worcester, Massachusetts. So we're kind of all over. So there's three of you within three, driving yeah. proximity. Yes. Another. What's kept you in and around Kansas City? Uh, I have two kids and that's where all my family lives. Okay. If my family wasn't there, I don't know if I'd still be there. I, I love Kansas City. It's very nice. Very nice people there. But I mean, it's, I, when you have kids... You got, it's got free babysitters, you yeah. know, when you got family close by and my family wants to see my kids and so that's cool. At what point into the the career did everyone just sort of start dispersing into the wind? The uh, beginning? I mean, Matt moved into Boston really okay. early. I mean, we've known each other for a really long time, even before we were in bands together. But yeah, once we started touring as much as we did in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I was like, I'm not going to pay for an apartment in Kansas City if my girlfriend lives in Boston. I'm just going to. It doesn't matter where he lived. I mean, when you're, yeah. we were like one year, we were on tour. I want to say almost ten months out of the year when we were like really touring. That's two hundred and seventy-five days out of the year. Like it's crazy. At that point, it doesn't really matter where you live, right? So, so a girl brought you out to Boston. The girl. Do you have that thing where you know you're you're sort of touring around and checking out cities and sort of you know fantasizing the possibility? Oh, totally. Of and at some st- point? still, like, I mean, New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. I don't know that I want to live there, but I go there at least once a year. Do do all sorts of things. We're very lucky because we get to travel. We get it's you know it's always like well I'll be in New York next year. Or yeah. Seattle's for me like Seattle Vancouver. Yeah. Unfortunately, those are like the most expensive, some of the most expensive places in America. Because for what we do for a living, we make the same no matter where we live. It's not like oh I lived in San Francisco. I'll make so much more money though. Yeah. It's like no, we make the same. Coming up through the ranks in San Francisco is different than coming up in a place like Kansas City. I mean the competition. There aren't really ranks there in Kansas. <laughs> That's the thing. There's no or the, ra- the rank. Like there's no rank in the music industry. It's yeah. like there you there are those who get successful because they work hard, and there's those who get successful because they're lucky. I think we've been a little bit of both. But like one of the great things about living in the Midwest is that <laughs> it's cheap and. You're centrally located and you, you know, in our job, we get to travel a lot. So being able to just go home and not pay that San Francisco or apparently Jersey City rent money. I, I don't know how you just got to be young and have like seven roommates. Cause I, I don't know. It's like, it's so hard. I guess the rewards great. If you're like abandoned New York, because you know, all the media's here, you yeah. have those, but it seems like nowadays it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like I think the primary difference, and this is, this is something I talk to people in San Francisco and New York about all the time is, is there's no safety net, right? I mean, you can't like take like three or six months to go explore your, your dream. You know, if you're lucky, you can do a day job and then come home and then work on a lot of trustafarians land of trustafarians what do they do oh boulder oh it's just like what do they do like how are they like doing all this though their parents are rich okay i get the idea and, and correct me if i'm wrong though that you know like in a in a place like 
Kansas City or or Minneapolis that it might be a bit more of sort of a maybe a tight knit scene or at least like people are, are are potentially more supportive of one another. I don't. I think that's anywhere maybe. Yeah, but it seems like like New York just seems so cutthroat. Kansas to me. City and like Lawrence are they're very similar same kind of scene where it, there's just only so many people where I think in New York you have little pockets of yeah. scenes right I just feel like somebody would like stab you in the back here in order to get your yeah that's not uh, I mean that does happen I mean it's competitive you know and then you get this kind of like there's jealousy you, you know, know tall poppy syndrome is you yeah. know when like you think that you've grown higher than the yeah. rest of the poppies in the field big big fish and yeah, yeah. and like you, you get kind of like we got that a little bit in Lawrence when we first started doing well and and then we were just like, we'll buy the round. And they're like, you guys are all right. You know, like, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, I feel like in New York City, especially, there's like a little Kansas City where all the people yeah. are too good. We got too big for Kansas City. I'm too cool for Lawrence. I got to move to New York. Chicago's a lot like Chicago. That. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a lot of city. <laughs> like, you know, you get the that pocket. But we stuck it out. We stay true to our roots. <laughs> because we left all the time. Because <laughs> we all moved to different, different cities. No, we just toured all the time. So it's just easier to be there. I think... A lot of people were maybe like as we got successful, there was some, definitely some jealousy in the scene back home, which is kind of lame. But I think that's like any scene. How does it manifest itself? People talking shit on you. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, pretty. It's pretty that simple, yeah. you know. And you know, a lot of people, it's like attitude, like it should have been my band sure. or you guys. How'd you? It's like you know, we worked really hard. I'm not well, saying we're the best band ever, we but were we lucky too. We were lucky. It was timing, and but we were we toured all the time. We didn't just stay at the, like a local bar and play night after night you know we we got out there and we took risks which is ultimately what you got to do but it's a lot easier when you're 20 years old don't have kids and you can go lose a bunch of money on yeah. the road it's hard not to be jealous in a sense to you know sort of like see people succeeding that maybe you feel like perhaps aren't as good of a band as you are i remember there was a time when i had to have like an honest conversation with myself when like we when we put out on a wire and it wasn't getting very well received but then at the same time like saves the day and dashboard were like blowing up and i would see them on tv and part of me my initial feeling was to feel like really jealous about it and then i was just like had to kind of like have this kind of come to jesus moment of just like i those are my friends and i'm happy for them it's not like there's only so many people that like music and they're taking them away from my <laughs> band you know what i mean but you have that feeling initially like you get very why do they get to be on yeah. conan i think you music know, like, is always there's always a competitiveness among bands even if it's said or unsaid especially because it's such a subjective thing i i try hard not to do that but i it is you're right it is there i just don't like that about myself when i start to feel that way and so i try not to do it i don't think we feel that way anymore i'm so blessed that we get to do like this when, when you know jawbreaker got back together for riot fest and all these like old punk rockers are like talking shit i out don't of, get that and at i all. was just like man fuck that get paid like, yeah. those guys absolutely blew my mind that anyone would be upset that jawbreaker went and got paid <laughs> it's like are you 14 years old? Not only that they went like, to pay, but that you could go see them play yes, music I again. Don't, that they're in the world playing on, music. Honest to God. I thought yeah. that is the most just petty bullshit like, I've ever heard. Someone known. licensed a song to a commercial. It's like, who's still out? And like, yeah, they fucking paid their rent that much. You know, like everybody has a certain regret that they didn't do something at some point in their their career because, it, you know, it, it just like seemed like selling out or it seemed like it wasn't true to what the band was. I feel like those things come up more now. More now for you guys specifically? Uh I want to make sure I word this delicately, but I feel like things come up, whether it's show opportunities or bands to tour with, that isn't 
a great fit because we seem to like in different parts of the world we seem to be associated with different genres Mm. like we're called a pop punk band in england and i don't get that at all the first we get like why are we playing this show (laughs) yeah how do we fit into this world it's kind of awesome though right to like just sort of go into it's and that's the thing i don't want to sound like i'm i'm trying to be like a snob about it like it's a it's very complimentary that like a successful band would want us to you know what i mean but it's it's also like sometimes it's just we don't feel it's a good fit for all the mistakes that we've made, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll get into those later. The one thing that we have is our integrity. Uh, you know, we've, we've owned it when we fell on our face. So. You know, I think we just did another podcast today and we kind of sort of asked a similar question and about like, it's like our band's like trajectory and of, we should have been more calculating yeah. and, and we weren't, ca- asked, we were not calculated at all of our yeah. decisions. We just kind of did what we thought was I mean, like wanted to do not- about it. It was all on emotion. I mean, that's, like it's just all like Matt said it, not Jim. So you might say it was <laughs> it was emo. the most emo decision yeah. you could possibly make. But just because you didn't know it, like it's just like you go like, no, nah, I like this. So therefore, by the transitive property, everyone else yeah. will like this too because you like what I like. So and then sometimes that's just not the case. And so then you have those things like regrets. I don't. I think is a strong word because like I think that all of those experiences ultimately gets you to this point, and I really like this point that we're at. So I don't really think of them. I try anyway. When I go to my dark places, I think of them as regrets, but I try not to. But, you know, we certainly could have done things differently and maybe not had such extreme reactions. I didn't want it to sound like a leading question either. It's just I like interviewing people who have been doing this for a while because they've got a lot of perspective. Well, listen, when I was 23, I wasn't going, I wonder when I'm 40, what will the legacy of our band be? And... Like that was on my. Did, did you did you like did People you ask that shit? Though? That like, was they, not that no. Was... But in your wildest dreams at twenty three, did you think that you would be doing this in your no. forties? No, I didn't. Didn't think past. 25 yeah. when I was 20. Honest to God, I, I, we looked at bands, like the biggest you could get was like, say like Super Chunk or something, yeah. or like Sunday to Real Estate. They tell it the bottleneck, this club in Lawrence is like, I don't know, 450 people. I was like, oh, we can do that. Like, that's like, that's like a goal. No, like the idea of even really making a big living out of doing this was not a thing. We literally signed a record deal because we knew we were going to get to go to Europe and we dropped out of mm-hmm. college because like, well, we'll go to Europe, we'll tour for a year and then I'll go, I, because I, I was in art school, I was yeah. like, uh, I can keep my scholarship i can take a year off and that was going to be it and then i guess it's calculated in that sense this seems to be working Let's... calculated in the sense that i'm going to go back to school but then we yeah. started actually we came i remember the first tour we actually came home with money a few hundred bucks a piece but i was like 19 like fuck yeah you, you get to a certain point and, and time becomes a little bit more precious right i mean you know obviously you're a bit older and you can't tour as much as you were before but you've got these exterior obligations in life you have to be smart now about what you're choosing well to do. yeah the idea is to to work smarter not harder yeah. But then at the same time, you also don't want to get into that situation where you're only doing the club for the money, even if it's like Guy Fieri's cheese dick saloon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause we get sometimes you got to go for the money, yeah. but, do, but, but it usually it turns out to be not as cool of a show. I mean, I think Guy Fieri's cheese dick saloon would actually be a pretty fun bash. If it were like in the middle of no, like if it were in like Marfa, Texas or something like that, it would be just like the Prada store. Yeah. And the Guy Fieri restaurant at the end of every, every tour or every record. I mean, is there a sense? 
sense that um, that this is going to keep going? Uh, I think at the end of the last record, we thought we were going to do kind of like, because Jim was going to go back to school, and Rob was doing Spoon, and James was doing Reggie, and it was like, well, maybe this is going to be more of like a weekend warrior kind of thing, like if we ever got a festival, which was for a little bit. Now it's kind of like, we do think about that kind of stuff of like, well, how much longer can we actually do this? And who knows? Like, so let's make the most of the time that we have. Going back to school seems to be a, a constant. I did go back to school. Yeah. I went back. I got a degree in geology and I was in school for three years and worked for USGS doing water science stuff and quit to go on tour and then decided I loved studying geology, but I like playing music more. Uh, yeah. I think you wanted to be your own boss. That's ultimately, yeah. and I'm, I almost did it to like, in a, in a weird sense, like for proved to myself that I'm smart. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know like a, a nicer way to say that, but almost like I needed something else. But now I kind of wish I would have just, just gone back to, to art be school. Able to lord and... over the rest of the band that he's the only one with a degree. I really enjoyed going back to school. It was strange being like in my 30s and there were like some fans of my band I was going to school yeah. with. So that was kind of funny. But yeah, it was a cool experience. It was, it was awesome. Does being in, in a band, does being on tour ever sort of feel like that? Like being the, you know, the guy who's back in school in his 30s? Sometimes <laughs> you run into people that you've known for a long time and they're like, you guys are still doing it, huh? I like to think of it as that we still get to do it. I will say like before like friends it was almost like magical like we are backstage we're you guys are we're going to these shows yeah. and now it's like yeah maybe i can make it to the show i got baby you know we got kids and we got it goes along with that oh you still play music but i actually kind of like <laughs> it's fun to see everybody and it's less like it's less mom's gone wild than it used to be we are an excuse for people to go crazy our crowd i swear to yeah. god it's like everyone's got the babysitter and like yeah, ah we got a sitter rock <laughs> we got a Sitter. A lot of bands, especially indie rock bands, tell me that, especially ones who have been doing this for a while, that, you know, for them, fewer and fewer people are coming out to the shows and they can't really figure out how much of it is just people maybe coming out to music less because, you know, there obviously has been a paradigm shift. How much of it is... Weekends. We are t we are turning into a weekend band. We definitely notice how many more people come out to our shows on a like a Thursday through Sunday as opposed to like a Tuesday night. It's, it's a lot harder when your fans are in their 30s and 40s. But I assume that, you know, because you made so much of, of your music at, at, a, at a, you know, very young age that... It, it is something that sort of that does connect with a, a younger audience. I mean, are you finding that kids are continuing to discover it? My daughter's friends and like their friends of friends, the the ones who like get into like new music and then do that like back search of like, oh, what is what? Are, yeah, like, I love modern baseball. What bands do they like? And they come to our band and then just like, oh, okay. And then they rediscover that. And then they, which is what I did when I was. There it's crazy though. You know? It's all like algorithms now, right? I mean, it's not so much sort of like going and hunting. Well, like, are you like, are you think? I think. Are you <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad no, thing. I'll tell. I'll tell you. Like Spotify. Yeah. I, I use. I have found more bands, and I feel like I'm pretty well versed in music. Yeah. But like a band I like, and I'll always go to bands that are related to them and go. And I, I've totally found new bands. I've found new bands and gone and seen them in concert because I of things like on Spotify. So that for forty year old me to do that, yeah. then it's like that's awesome. Hopefully, kids are doing the same thing. You know. I guess it sounds pessimistic the way. I was framing it and I do think it's it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword in that it loses context to some degree obviously like if you're finding it on Spotify but at the same time I don't know that when you're 15 that you can understand that it would have a different context like to them it's 
just as important as it was to yeah. us when we were 15 before we had the internet. That's just the reality that they live in. They don't really know any different. It's not until we... We had mixtapes and you go, Jim, check out these bands. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, like, we can analyze it and be like, well, this is... Are you not getting as much of a connection as maybe our generation did? But they don't know that. So for them, sure. they're getting just as much of a connection out of it as anybody else. If it's leading them to like go see that band and to you know follow that band, then I guess it doesn't really matter, does I it? Was getting, I was getting to a positive point, which okay. is that there's no barriers for younger listeners that's, i mean they're not that's like that's true they're not devoted to one genre or you know one style of music in the way that music fans were earlier you know it can go from get up kids to kendrick lamar without really sort of skipping yeah. a beat when you're listening to it that way i think that that sort of tribalism like ends up being less so in the age of the internet because yeah. you can always find it's easier to find your tribe and it's easier to you know therefore you're not necessarily as close-knit and so you don't have to put also i think that like music used to like especially punk rock, had so many goddamn rules, you know? And it was like, and I think in a post-Green Day, a post-Blink-182 world, like, it's just kind of like, no one cares about major labels anymore. No one cares about scene. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like it's all just sort of like... It's much more open and you can do whatever you want. No one's mad that you charge $7 instead of $5 for your for your ticket. I look at kids who grew up with the internet and, you know, are, are on Facebook, on Twitter, and are sort of posting these, like, regrettable things. And I'm, I, I, I'm always really glad that I didn't sort of grow up with social media. I around. say that all the time. I, I, I think about I have two young daughters and I, it's just like, it's scary. But, you I know, it's our job as parents to make sure that they understand that. The people who are doing that now are now the ones who are realizing, like, oh, the people who the job you're interviewing for are going to see your drunk yeah. Cancun pictures. And I don't think the next generation is going to be as uptight about that because it's in well, a way. Either they're not going to be as they're uptight. They're going to be more savvy about. I think they're going to be more savvy yeah. about like what they post and they're going to understand that everyone sees what's, it. What's funny is like we, when the Get Up Kids broke up in like 2005-ish, that's right when social media really started. We didn't we didn't have a MySpace page. We didn't have any of that. So we sort of had to relearn. Yeah, we just did. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. We're on Friendster. You'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> we had to sort of relearn the whole like learn no, we're, what, we're just on linkedin we're on linkedin that's a whole whole new world for us that said you guys were what like 19 or something when you, when you started putting music out in the world uh we were i was 18 18 i was a, fr- a senior in high school you didn't you no, didn't that's yeah se- senior in high school i remember bringing the seven inch to school because nathan was a freshman at kcai you were fresh rob and i were seniors and then ryan was a senior when he joined the band you don't have these like regrettable facebook posts but you do have this stuff that you were working on and, and putting out into the world when you no, were 19. but i've got some really mean record reviews that i wrote for second nature Records. Records that I'm sure somebody could dig up. Now, now, don't you feel bad about that kind of? I do. Like, it's a very, like, 17-year-old, you know, drawing a line in the sand about, you know, yeah. like, and I, I see that It's with, that sort of punk rock thing again. Yeah, and I see that with, but I don't even think it's just a punk rock thing. I think punk rock exacerbates it, but I think sure. it's very much like a, a teenage thing of being like, life is black and white. This person's wrong. This person's right. Dude, those are, li- life is black and white. She is wrong and I am right. It's like face-to-face lyrics. <laughs> But you do have this sort of like definitive portrait of where you guys were at at that time in your life. Oh, fucking tell me about it. We had this the other night because we have this song called A New Found Interest in Massachusetts that like we played it the other night in Boston for the first time in like 15, 16 years. And I really like the song a lot, but the lyrics are so like, I'm, Diary I'm 17 and I'm got my black pen and I write on my black paper under the full moon and that's some deep shit yeah it's interesting though to sort of be able to to you know really juxtapose that again you have this like definitive portrait you guys are continuing you know you put out a, an EP not too long ago what are sort of the most obvious differences between songwriting then and now 
I understand what a metaphor is. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. We're trying to actually get trying to get back to where our heads yeah. uh, headspace where you didn't think about about it too much. Well, you know? I think it's it's actually come full circle in that like it. If we don't think about it too much, then it just kind of becomes second nature and it's like riding a bike. And so because we've done it so much and we've all gotten so good at our own particular skills, all we have to do is just not get in our own way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if we just do what comes naturally and do the things that we know that we do well, I mean, that's what we did on the EP and people seem to like it more than anything we've done in a while. So... I don't know. It's just, but I do think it's something that comes from experience. It's not really like a, a contrived thing of like, oh, we need to go back to this old sound. We need to try and like redo it. It's just more like, well, this is what we do. Let's stop fighting it. Does having those, you know, those like longer breaks between playing together, between recording music, does that get you out of your own way? Part of the reason that we're able to have been a band as long as we have is because we're able to take breaks from each other i mean i think that that's the key to the longevity i mean like i think when the band broke up in 2004 five we quit in four but we kept going through it because contractually obligated you know what we what we should have done we should have taken a year off we should have just gotten away i think i think about that a lot and i think ultimately i probably still would have quit like i even at the time in my headspace i can't i even say like i wish we would have just taken like a couple years off but I mean, you did. Well, but I mean, just, but not even announced. I don't think we were mature enough at that time to understand yeah. that that's what we needed. And like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But like now it's like, we have conversations about like, I don't want to be gone for more than two weeks at a time unless we absolutely, unless it's like such a good opportunity that we can't miss it. It's a, it's a very easy job under weird conditions, you know, like it's, you don't sleep much, you eat like shit, you probably drink too much and it just, and it's hard on you, like physically and emotionally, because you're away from your family. When you're younger, it feels like everything is just like the end of the world, or or you know everything is is very sort of like definite. When you did break up, when you did you know officially disband, did it feel like that was just that was kind of it forever? Yes, that's what that was my intention. Is that we weren't going to do it ever again? You guys were just sick of each other at that point. Yeah, I I like I was saying, I at the time I was I was so done. I mean, I don't know if I th- I thought, eh, I probably thought, oh, we'll go twenty years from now play a show, yeah. you know. But I never thought, I didn't really think we were going to get back and make music or anything. And even when we got back together initially, we thought we got a bunch of festival offers. Like, well, shit, <laughs> why not? I, we, our intention was not to make music. Our, it was just, we were going to do it. Like, even for me, I was like, well, I'll do these shows, make some money and go back to school. Once again, bring it up to school. <laughs> that like was my attitude. And they were like, Oh, we're having fun. Let's, we just kept, kind of kept on going. The joy went out of it. Oh, completely. when we first initially broke up? Yeah. Yes. For me. Oh yeah. I was, I was over it i was in a weird spot but. i have this song that ended up being a new amsterdam song called drinking in the afternoon that i wrote on the tour that i quit the band i was sitting in my hotel room in japan at like two in the afternoon wearing nothing but my underwear and drinking beer and writing this really sad song <laughs> you know you get a couple of festival offers it seems like it's just going to be a, a one or two or three off thing at what point is it clear that it's time to really start you know going full bore into this again i think we had to make that decision i don't know that there was any like sign but... i think it was a slow thing like well let's do one let's do a tour and yeah. see how that goes okay let's do you know how much of it was like breaking up with someone and then like slowly 
getting back together. Well, we were never – I don't think we were ever not friends. Yeah. Like it, was, it wasn't like I hate your guts. I don't ever want to see you again. No, it was just like I just don't want to – but I've be had on like tour but, with you. But I've had, I've had breakups where I'm like, I'm definitely going to be friends with this person, but like, we're just not, we're not going to talk for a little while. I think that's more what the get up kids were. It was, the, there was no point did I hate anybody. I just, not, we were just done. <laughs> when does the songwriting start again? We got back together in 2009. And did this tour that was like the 10-year anniversary of something at home about. And then... Which is now the 20th next year. Yeah. It's funny to me, in interviews now, we keep talking about this like three-year hiatus that the band broke up. Because we've now been back together as long as we were before the band broke up in the first place. We've we, been a band for 23 years. We were broken up for about five years. Even though we mentally weren't a band. But we, we came back and did that tour in 2005. But we definitely weren't really... A band. But if you think about it, if we were a band from 95 to 2005, took three years off, and then have been a band since 2008 to 2018, yeah, another ten. so it's 23, like we've been a band just as long at this point. Uh, and people still go, get up kids reunion. It's like, it's not a reunion. At this I mean, point. like three or five years or however long that is, that, that's like normal space between albums for bands at that point. Like, that's not like we were like well, broken up. Well, and if we had been a, a mature enough to be like, I need to take a break and we need to take a year off, then it would have just been a year. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Realistically, we should have taken time off between On a Wire and Guilt Show and... Then we could have come back with Guilt Show, which I think is a really strong record that I think people would have really liked, but we didn't give it a chance because we were so burnt out. Is there a sense that you have to kind of reset the button when you've made everything that official versus just, you know, getting back together and recording another album without an official breakup? I kind of feel now, having gone through the whole, like, breakup, makeup thing that, like, I don't think bands really ever actually break... Unless somebody dies. I think like, that's I, true, yeah. I don't yeah. think bands ever actually... Like, it's always on the table. I mean, even the Smiths, it's on the table. Nobody in this group seems as insufferable as Morrissey, though, at least from the outside, so you've got that going for you. Well, you've only just met It's true. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it is... It's, it seems to be that we get into this thing now of these sort of, like, marketing things of, like... People are asking me in interviews about, like, oh, what are you going to do for the 20-year of Summer at Home about? And I'm like, I don't know that we're going to do anything. We have an album coming out next Next year we're going to be focused on that and to be honest like those sort of like milestones are fairly arbitrary yeah. to me you know like it's just sort of like yay it's 20 years later woohoo you know like it just sort of like it's not like we're putting out b-sides or yeah. anything from that if know? we did anything maybe we'll do a shit like a local show and play it or for yeah. fun yeah. or something invite friends i don't we're not i don't think we're gonna do a, a tour that's right we have a we're looking at the future right now we got a new record well, to this the thing too is like then you get into this thing that we're now we're just like we want to celebrate the past and we play those songs now anyway, but we don't have to like just only wallow in it. You know what I mean? Like we, we want to like celebrate the past, but then keep moving forward. It's hard not to be nostalgic about your, your early 20s. Well, I think it's a difference between being nostalgic and then only living in that time period. I always use the Uncle Rico analogy from Napoleon Dynamite, where he's like, if the coach had only put me in yeah. that game. That's regrets coming up again. And I don't feel that way. If only we would have written all the small things and not Blink-182. Sure. <laughs> If only. There's two prongs here, and, and there's two things you can fall into. There's sort of like living in the past, and then there's there's just romanticizing things, right? I mean, there's forgetting like all of the, the shitty parts, all of the sort of the bullshit, like the reason why you broke up in the first place. I always say we're all you're, you're always living in the
in the good old days. Mm-hmm. Like even when life's shitty, because you do forget. And then yeah. you, it's always like we're in the good old days right now. Celebrate the past, live in the present, think about the future. If the only thing you live in is the past, then it's it's not healthy. People talk a lot about like mindfulness these days. And when you do step out from it, when you do get a, a little bit of a break and are able to see what you were able to accomplish, you know, sure, maybe you didn't go in exactly the, the directions that you wanted to. And, and, you know, perhaps other people were successful, but you have to be able to look at the career that you have and be pretty satisfied. The way that manifests itself for us is in the way we write our set lists for shows like this. Come out with an oldie, you know, set the tone, immediately go into a new song. And then like we'll do songs from every single record. Well, we're not playing anything off of rules, but like every record that everybody's ever heard. And then... Even the EPs, and we'll do some deep cuts, and then we'll do, we're in fucking Jersey, so we gotta do something for the hardcore yeah. kids. And then, you know, we, we play the whole EP, which is great, is only four songs in the set, but then we'll come out and do the encore, and it's just four rippers off of something to write home about, and everybody sings along and stage dives and whatever. But we all we went on this kind of like journey of like celebrating the whole catalog, including the new stuff. I think that's pretty representational of how I feel about about the band and the the legacy and the career of it. I do want to hear that mindfulness story. Oh, so I've been doing Headspace. We were going into the city today and we had like 20 minutes and I was like, okay, I'm going to lay down in my bunk. I'm going to do Headspace for 10 minutes and I'm on the bottom bunk. And so I like got into it. I'm like in a good, in a good guided meditation. It sounds so corny. Andy's speaking to me. That's the Headspace guy. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling chill. I'm like getting ready to go into that New York City traffic. So this is like a good space for me to get in. And at the very end of it, James starts vacuuming the fucking bandwagon right by my head. And so it's just like, you're not at that level. I'm not, of I'm like, not full, full Buddhist yet, but like, yeah. it, it definitely helps. Is it fun again right away when you guys got back together? Yeah, but it's also, it's not, when we first get back together, it's not terribly professional because it's kind of like a college reunion because like, that's really, our college years were spent in a van. When we're doing like longer, you know, like actual tours, we have to kind of like, if you're going to drink during the day, take a nap and drink lots of water. But no, it's, it is fun. At this point, what is the, what's the most fun part of the process? For me, my favorite part of this job is when we're writing new stuff, a song that we've written gets stuck in my head. And then I know that like, there's a couple of the songs we've written for the new record that I get stuck in my head. Even sometimes they're just melodies, like they're not even lyrics. And that makes me feel like I have this like, secret you're gonna like this yeah. when you hear it like yeah. this is like this is stuck in my head now it's almost painful withholding it for so long it's like keeping a secret oh, we've been talking about this one song that that james wrote this like really haunting piano ballad we've just been calling the song the bummer <laughs> but it's like really good it's gonna make you cry for sure is there a sense that doing the best stuff that you've done uh i mean i think that's subjective from you subjectively from you. i mean i guess in theory you get better as a songwriter the more you do it yeah. you don't necessarily get worse at it I think that we're in a in a good what how do they put it in comics? There's like the golden age and the silver age. Maybe we're in the silver age. Okay. There's like the second good wave of it, yeah, yeah. maybe. I do think that we're writing some really good stuff because we're not getting in our own way. You yeah. know? We're kind of our own worst enemies sometimes. And we're trying not to be now. 
There you go. That was Matt and Jim of the Get Up Kids. Recorded that one before a show at the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City. Their latest EP kicker is out now on Polyvinyl. Thanks so much to them for taking the time. Really enjoy that conversation. Thanks to Chromatic for helping set up the interview. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are so many ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes or Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify now, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rylcast.tumblr. Com. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L related information. And I think that's about all we got for this week. So stick around because we are going to be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L. 